Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, guys, welcome to all the best setup in the world, which is the guest book themselves on this show. We have James, who uh, I'm literally just reading for the first time tonight. You guys might know him as Chester, okay? I certainly recognize you, you know, Brian Oldley, but uh, welcome to Wolf. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Yeah, I think, I think something's uh, off on your end there, Pete. Do, you, really? do I sound fine, James? But I turned my volume up, so now you're sound loud as hell. <laughs> Does my but mic sound fine? You sound yeah. fine. It's got to be Pete. My mic. Pete, what's going on, buddy? All right, let me let me let me uh, try to fix it, Brian. You now you're the... now you're good. That sounds better. All right, we're good. We're back. <laughs> All right, what did I sound like? Uh, just come. Yeah, muffled and coming in and out a little bit. All right. Well, it's so weird that only happens on lulls. It's uh... you know. Let's start the show over. Start the show over. All right. Again. All right. All right. Welcome to Lulz, everybody. My name's Peter. We have Chess is Okay here with Brian Hooper. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So uh, have, have you been watching Lulz? You slid, it, you slid into Brian's DMs, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I've been doing a little coaching uh, for daily fantasy sports, football, and basketball. And some of the people I was coaching were talking about you guys, so I checked out the content and asked to come on. Nice. Can you, are these people that are in our, our discords, the, the people that you've been coaching? Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not certain about that. I can't call anyone out, but. Okay. Um, no, no doxing your students. No doxing, but I've been uh, coaching on a site called medify.gg, which is a, it's a site. It's a marketplace for coaches of all sorts of video games, as well as poker, chess, and uh, fantasy sports. So um, I happen to be an investor for the, for the website and now I'm a coach on there to try to get the DFS product off the ground. Very nice. I, I actually saw that. I Googled your name before there you the go. show. And you 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 don't come cheaply, my friend. Yeah. Now I think that uh I think maybe I'm underpriced though. It's 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 possible, yeah. In in poker back in the day, did you used to play poker? I did, yeah. Um probably like I don't know. 200, 300 was a pretty good hourly for like one of the better, better players. And I don't think it's synonymous DFS and poker, especially back then. Uh, but yeah, so you're charging 500. I'm assuming you don't mind. We it's public information, right? That is, yeah, 500 bucks an hour. That it might be, yeah, it might be. It depends. I don't know what you're doing over there, but yeah, I can, I can believe it. Um, 
I think that for at least the students I've, I've coached so far, like they're, they're quite strong on average and it just takes like a little bit of direction. It's a lot of, um, a lot of the questions, a lot of the things they bring up are like, I'm just kind of reinforcing what they already like kind of believe to be true and give them like kind of the confidence to go like all the way with some of the strategy decisions they're thinking about. Um, so I think it can be worth a lot if it's, uh, in a high stakes kind of situation and it inspires you to like take a line you otherwise wouldn't. Uh, let's just back up just a little bit here. Why don't you tell people uh, kind of your background? You mentioned uh, poker there. And of course people are going to recognize your name from uh, the DFS leaderboards and, and why you're now coaching and, and not playing as regularly. Yeah, I um So I went to college. I was a software developer right after um, and I tried working um, for a software company for a little bit as a startup or as the CTO of a startup, and it wasn't really going anywhere. And I found myself more and more playing poker on the internet to support myself uh, until there was a certain point where it's like, I need to get a job as a software developer again, or I just need to make poker work for me. Um, and I started out playing super turbos on the US kind of networks. This was like 2013, 2014. Oh, that's a bad time to start. That was a bad time to start. Um, and I was doing pretty well. I started getting ahead from poker. Uh, I switched to MTTs. Merge kind of killed the Super Turbo games at one point. Um, I think that it was like the rake at, at certain points, the rake back deals were like over 100%. And like it didn't exactly always make sense. Um, and they kind of like changed the, I forget exactly how they changed the structures, but they kind of killed them basically. So. I switched to MTTs, which was great. That merge made me do that because MTTs were way better. Um, and then I was playing those online for a little while until I had heard anecdotally that a lot of poker players were seeing success playing this daily fantasy game on sites like DraftKings and FanDuel. So that was like NBA season, I think 2014, uh, 2014, 2015. And I deposited a little bit of money and I realized after like a week, I needed to stop everything else I was doing because I knew I wasn't particularly skilled and I saw what my opponents were doing and it, uh, they were kind of punting it off. Um, and like my experience from poker and studying poker and understanding EV and that kind of thing led me to like really just go hard in DFS right off the start. Um, so I kind of, started pretty small playing all the low stakes stuff and by kind of doubling what I made year over year or tripling what I made year over year until around 2017 when I had uh, like an enormous NFL season where I won the Millie Maker when I won the DraftKings fan chip or the live final um, and really kind of plateaued at that point. I mean, it's hard to beat that year. Um, but then I, I kind of saw like when sports betting was made legal and stuff like that, kind of the writing on the wall that no matter, um, in order to stay competitive at the high stakes, you have to be putting in like 80 hours a week at least, I think. And for me, it just wasn't, it was really appealing and exciting to try to be the best at fantasy. And it was a lot less exciting to be putting in the work to kind of like tread water and stay where I was at. Um, so I started for looking for the next things to do. And around the same time, I started venture investing with a good friend of mine. And now he's been my partner for the past five years, um, kind of doubling the that like we we part we partnered up and started investing um, right around like when I started hitting it big in fantasy. 
Um, and we kind of were doing well. So we ended up doubling year over year what we were investing every year uh, until 2020 when we started seeing during COVID, like some of the best deals we had ever seen on the best terms because no one else was investing. Um, and that turned, I didn't have like a particularly clever macro view or anything like that. I thought the macro outlook was pretty bad in 2020, honestly, but the deals were so, so great unless the bottom fell, fell out. Um, it seemed like some of the most, like the, the best companies, best business models, best teams at the lowest prices. So we, we, we kept deploying and it turned out really well. And now we're, uh, in fundraising for our first fund. So. Nice. And so, uh, and was it just kind of the allure of these other opportunities with the venture capital stuff that, that pulled you away from DFS? Do you feel like the landscape was shifting where just the time investment wasn't worth it? How did you do that calculation? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I really wanted to, I, I was considering like futures trading or doing something in uh, public markets as well. I just wanted to do something where the most you can make wasn't capped like it is in DFS, where... Um, you can make a million in DFS, but there's, there aren't that many people who are making 10 million in DFS. Uh, if there are any, I, I doubt there are any, but um, it's just that kind of thing where if you're putting in that kind of work, I'd rather it be in a, in a market that where the, where the upside's uncapped if you're the best of it. Brian, are you making 10 million? Well, a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you betting um, 10 million a season? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the environment when you left of, of, of DFS? Do you like, you see it, you mentioned sports betting. So you, th mm -hmm. you think like guys are going to get drawn away from DFS or the companies are going to concentrate on sports betting or what, what's your play? I think the companies definitely see sports betting as their future. And I mean, particularly FanDuel has just let the DFS product kind of deteriorate. Like, I think we're on the same page about like that some of the cash game collusion stuff that's been going on. Um, like FanDuel has always been like a step behind DraftKings and now they've kind of just, it's pretty obvious that like they aren't giving a lot of care to their DFS product. Um, and the th same thing is true to DraftKings to a, to a lesser extent. I mean, I think that they view their customers as valued more as sports betting. And the way I see it, like, I think that fantasy football was so popular in the U S potentially because sports betting was illegal. And it was the only way people could put 20 bucks on the game, basically. And now, like, if you're deciding between making this, like, making all of these decisions and making this complicated roster or just putting, like, 20 bucks on the Jets, you might be flushing it down the toilet. But I think you're going for the for the sports bet instead for a lot of the casual fans. So I think that's some of my concern. At first, I thought it could go either way, where, like, I was kind of thinking at first, like, so long as there are more deposits, like, people will probably do both. But... Um, I, I, I don't really think it went that way. I think it went like it kind of cannibalized some of the DFS customers moved over to the sports book. Um, and then you couple that with like, I think for, for a while DFS, like there weren't that many savvy players at all. And a lot of the new guys who have just come up over like 2019, 2020 are like super strong. And like, there used to be a list of guys like, Sahil at one point and like Chipotle addict and um, like Osmo kind of came up uh, Yoda cow, but then there, there, there weren't really like too many besides that. And now I think there's a list of like at least two dozen, you know, or like 
even three dozen who are like quite strong in my opinion. Um, probably winners in the game. And I just feel like as well, people are getting better at a faster rate than they were before where like, I kind of feel like when I figured things out in NFL or NBA or like on single gamers, when they came out, I kind of feel like I had like at least two years until people would kind of catch on. And towards the end, when I retired, I felt like it was more like six months, uh, which it wasn't a great feeling. Like if you're putting in all this work, it's not like I'm going to have to keep, keep like working even harder to kind of like stay, have the same, like, the, the the range of advantage is just like decreasing. So what how do you measure that? How did you measure that? Like the range that your edge what what like what make you came to that conclusion? Is it just I think like it's in the thing? lower right hand corner here. The run the Sims? Yeah you run the Sims. You run it you run the Sims and uh, oh, you okay. study what your opponents are doing. I, I mean I have a software driven process. I had all of my own software to analyze slates. Um, and I'm just looking at the dispersion of ROIs basically and how many rosters are putting it in debt. And it's just kind of like less and less every year. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you put in 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And I never really took slates off as same with a lot of my opponents. And maybe that was a mistake, but um, I had that urgency from poker having like come up late in poker and hear everyone talk about like, Oh man, I wish like I was pretty good in 2006. I wish I had like put time in. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen to me. Like, this is good now, and I'm going to I'm going to really devote the time and effort to make sure that I don't miss out. Yeah, a lot of ex poker players feel feel the same way as you do. Yep. Um, yep. So, 80 hours a week. I'm I'm just interested on in how much time on that was spent, like like breaking down the slate, like a hand builder guy working on your software, mm-hmm. and um, whatever studying or whatever you're doing. In season, I wasn't working on my software. I, I took MLB season off to work on my process for NFL and NBA. Um, and then for like, since, I mean, we're in both seasons right now. I mean, NFL would be a ton of work. Um, God, when, when both were going on, it's really grueling because I would either have to do NFL like in the morning but before I started NBA and try to run through it. I mean, I run through every game by hand. Uh, in NFL and NBA to come up with my own projections. It's computer guided, like my, the baselines I start out with. Um, and so, yeah, for NFL, go over every side of the game. Uh, I would do that Wednesday through Saturday. Um, probably do like a few sample builds Saturday night to make sure that like nothing was breaking in my models. And then like Sunday, I'd wake up at like 6 a.m. Eastern and start building and like kind of considering strategy for the slate. Um, and then for NBA, I think when things are clicking for me, I'm doing a game every 30 minutes, uh, or I was like 15 minutes aside. So like the amount of time you need varies depending on the size of the slate, obviously, but I tend to start around noon or 1 PM Eastern. So it sounds like you have quite the, uh, a manual intervention in there alongside a lot of the, a lot of the automated stuff. And I'm sure Brian, I'm the API, yeah. What is, what is that? I'm the API connecting everything. Yeah. Okay. And how, I mean, Brian, cause I would say you're probably far more on the automated side of not kind of meddling with what's, what the math is doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, NBA is a perfect example. Um, like I think it's a waste of time to start at noon, honestly, like there's so much 
last 15 minute, 30 minute starting lineup news that like, that's a lot of work you're going to be wasting. I, I, I mean, I, Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how much EV you're getting by starting at noon in the NBA. And it's the tough problem if you're using a simulation in the NBA is the time. You need it really fast. Yeah, my really soft, like fast. my I was I'm not running my software for NBA is returning in like 15 seconds or less. Right. Um, it's gotta be fast. Yeah. And I mean the simulations are, are the simulation stuff you're running out of game. Uh, to do analysis and then you have to have like heuristics and proxies for what you're going to do in game particularly for nba for nfl you obviously have like a little more leeway than that yeah um, i mean but you still basically an hour because it's like to, like this you're not paying attention obviously but mm-hmm. on sunday pete who was the uh, uh cooks uh, cook got ruled out yeah well, you're gonna have to redo everything sorry <laughs> you know so i don't know i think Dalvin Cook? Yeah. Yeah. So I've for me, like starting at Saturday <laughs> at six in the morning. Uh or Sunday at six in the morning. Oh, okay, fine. I don't mm-hmm. but the, the uh, Papa Gates says he starts at sa- Saturday and stuff like okay. So what does what, he go all night? In that sh- at the show I've talked to him in person. I haven't I haven't I didn't ask him that, but I am I'm talking about his uh showtime appearance. Um, oh, I tend Wait. for for situations like that. I, I tend to know ahead of hand, like ahead of time, what I'm going to do, depending on what happens with like really material injuries like that. When there's a bomb in NBA, like so, a lot of just to clarify, like a lot of my NBA process is just doing the minutes by hand. Uh, it's not doing the other things by hand. Um, that so takes some time. Yeah, um, and I think there are just a lot of edges you can have because, like, well, back in the day, people like. I don't know how they were projecting their minutes. It seemed like they were kind of random. And then people kind of caught on to use like a, a moving average or whatever. Um, and I mean, that's that's like fine, but it's like not particularly good. So like just understanding like the coaches and the different psychologies and who's capable of doing what and how people adjust and like who's going to surprise you, who's not like all that kind of thing, all, all that kind of stuff uh, is just really useful. Because um, there, there are coaches who behave in, like, idiosyncratic ways where you can figure out, like, I don't know, there are times when the, the field kind of, I think, still probably misses some pretty obvious spots in NBA. Um, I think some of the projection sites get a little scared. They kind of lean in the direction I think they sh- they're supposed to go in, but they get a little scared to go all the way with it. Um, but I'm not following it so much this season. Do you find uh... – do you find yourself missing it just the the day to day or was it too much of a grind for to be enjoyable? Um, I do miss it. It's real. The strategy, it's just really fun. Um, and you don't feel like you can do, um, do like a half measure where you could just pop in for a slate or just do a Sunday NFL slate. Like for you, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's very much all or nothing. Yeah. And it, unless I'm kind of like doing it week to week, it's kind of try hard to follow all of the dynamics to know like who everyone is going to, when you go on podcasts like this, who you're going to bring up and everyone's going to laugh you off the show or whatever. Like it's hard to keep track of all of that. Do your students, uh, do you give them any software? Do, no. you, do, you, do you help them with that at all? Um, so I've coding or any, anything like, no, here's, here's how you, here's how I would do it. Now go build it. No, uh, I think pe- the the people that I that I've worked with have come with more like 
uh, concrete strategy questions, like kind of like situational kind of stuff. And then just asking questions about like, um, like strategies on different kinds of slates and things like that. Um, what, what, so, so what software do you code in? I, I wrote everything that I did in Java and that's just cause it's what I'm like most comfortable in. Um, How do you, cause I, I imagine, and I've, you know, experienced this dynamic over the past couple of years of talking to Brian where, um, you know, for me being a hand builder and, and doing things that way, I don't have my own simulations. I, I can use run the Sims. I could, you know, see Brian could tell me something that's popping in his, but I'm, I'm not the one on the back end really you know, changing that stuff. So when people come to you with questions, how do you answer that when sometimes for you it is like, well, this is what my sim said. This is this is what the numbers spit out. How do you feel like you can bridge that gap for the people who don't have those tools or don't know how to utilize them? Um well because you have to you have to like it's a good question and you kind of have to understand why the computer's saying what it is in order to like teach someone what to do in, in types of situations. Um, I could give, I could give some like kind of more concrete examples. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, a kind of simple one is like back in the day, like, and I feel like people talk about this a lot more now where it's like, you don't go on injuries. People would kind of like be scared to play injuries and kind of go halfway instead of like either choosing a side. Like if you go halfway, you lose in both cases. Like LeBron's in, you lose. LeBron's out, you lose. And so, like, uh, you kind of have to take a side and play one part of the distribution, and maybe like make separate roster sets for like each of those uh, kind of game states that you're playing in. Um, it's kind of like stuff like that, where you can give more like generic advice um, rather than saying like, "Well, this is what the computer spits out. I don't really know why." Yeah. I mean, that's what I've been doing, you know, uh, on my showdown slates, like, uh, what was it on Monday night with that Colts game? And it's like, you see Jonathan Taylor's captain ownership is coming in at 10% and you run the Sims. And in most scenarios, he's only showing up in about 5% of them. I can change the inputs to where the Colts win by 10 points. All of a sudden his, you know, uh, optimal rate in the Sims matches his ownership, but that's in a very specific game script scenario where that's not exactly what Vegas was projecting. Obviously he kind of got there, but thinking through how those different inputs and game flows can change what are just like median projections for players outcomes, I think is at least for me has been bridging that gap between using those tools and, and making sure that you're able to do more than just median projections. Yeah, that's right. I think you fade, you fade uh, Taylor in that situation based on what you said that, you know, uh, you, you run the program and it's uh you need to have them at a um the game state that's like just like a standard div off from what vegas is saying like that doesn't it seems like the field's kind of stepping on their own toes there how complicated were your simulations were they um like play by play no kind of game just simming out games based on like correlations like correlated normal distributions and then for nfl it's not quite normal but um, like having a process to kind of like um, adjust the curves by position for what players' distribution looked like that week. Yeah. What are what are some of the what are the the most kind of frequent questions or 
you know, roadblocks that your students are hitting that you're able to kind of help push them to another level? Or is it just kind of the constant feedback on, on specific micro situations that you're giving them confidence on? Yeah. A lot of people will be like, this is how this is like, let me tell you what I think about single games and what my strategy is. And then like, I want to listen to your comments on the things I'm saying or like situationally the same kind of thing. Like I want to walk you through this kind of situation in MBA and I want to know what you would do. Those are, I think that's where the people are seeing the most value. Brian, would you ever do coaching? Mm, I don't know. Probably not. Maybe. I mean, I'm not opposed to it really. I think it's like, um, it's a little too much all or nothing though, I think, in my opinion, like the way I would want to do it. Like in poker back in the day, it's it was, especially before the GTO stuff was as good as it is now, like there's a lot of just general theory talk, you know? And so like you could do that for fucking hours. Mm-hmm. Well, like the way I do it, I'd be like, here, copy this. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, you might be able to improve on this. Fuck, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, uh, but it's really just improving improving the simulations and stuff. Um, so, like, like how much, how much you're of, like, if you could put a number on it, like, let's say uh, NBA and NFL, start with the NBA. How much is, like, it's a sim matter for you, and then the rest of it is, like, you're just – your hand build or your theory that makes you adjust. Like how much, how much is going into that? Like, you know, 20% this, 50% that, what would you, how would you break that down? Well, NBA is just like the players mostly have normal distributions or like at least normal distributions that have like two different mode or bimodal. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, there are basically like three factors in projection. It's like, or three factors in DFS. It's like, uh, median standard deviation and ownership. So, I mean, you've got to have a process to, for how you're going to think about all three of those. Um, and then I'm kind of, I'm, I mean, I would, I would study with my software to try to figure out the relationships and things like that. But then I'm ultimately like the glue that would hold everything together at game during crunch time that from five thirty to seven. Um, and then like, obviously having a strategy for like, uh, after lock, and adjusting and how you're going to adjust to bombs and various situations that are going to play out, I think is like really important too. I think that's still like a big opportunity to have an edge. Like, I don't think people are particularly good at swapping. Um, I'm just starting to hear people talking about it and kind of like, I don't know, everyone, I think at least in the high stakes has some sort of strategy at least for lay swap, but I don't, I don't really think many people do it particularly well. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully they don't watch that part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Sorry, so, sorry, Brian. Uh, Paul's asking if you taught uh, Whistles Go Woo. You mentioned some of these strong players that have popped up wow. in the past couple of years. Uh, are there any, any that I don't, come to mind? I don't know Whistles Go Woo, but I think he's one of the strongest players. Um, I think he's, you know, he's an adjunct professor. He's a what? He's the adjunct professor. Did you know that? I did not know that. I didn't, I don't know anything about this guy except mm. that he showed up maxing the high stakes. And I thought that he was one of the best in the game and that he just came out of nowhere. Do you think um, he's a fed? So, think he's a plant? 
that what you're insinuating? I mean, he he could like someone on a new account. Like you don't just show Where's up being that good. I don't. I, probably the low stakes, but it, that's uh quite the accusation. But okay, <laughs> that he wanted in the low stakes. You'll you'll have to. Uh, have you seen? Have you ever seen just his DraftKings World Championship uh, celebratory video? Have you ever? Yeah, seen where that? he was drunk. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then we had him on the show. What was that, Brian? Like three, four months ago, probably. That's a while ago, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the uh, the duality of man uh, transpired, and we're still trying to figure out who whistles Go Woo is. I was wondering if he was drunk or if there's a puppet master and someone else was the the, the player, but I, I don't know. That's there's the there's the conspiracy for you. Exactly. Exactly. Who are some of the other players that impress you right now? Um, I'll let you guys name the names and then I'll confirm. Here, I, I got the list open right here. All right. Okay. Uh, a guy named Osimo. Have you heard of him? I think Osimo is one of the best GPP players, actually. Um, think- I mean, I give him crap because he's a nerd, but like, I think he's super strong. Uh, he's he admits that he's not very good at cash. I think he has a clue in new game structures, like faster than anyone else, basically. Um, and he's, in general, like quite tough in GPPs. Androids can't be nerds. Next person is <laughs> Mach Lovin. Uh, Mach Lovin is a cheater. So uh, okay. he has defrauded, defrauded me and people I know out of money by just having the worst collusion strategy I've ever seen. And then basically it got better over time it was the most obvious collusion setup over like an, a season that you've ever seen. It's absurd. Like this guy's an idiot. And he also was dust in DFS and then he got good over time in the same way that he got good at collusion. Why don't you just study first, buddy? Is this the three man collusion? Yeah. Put him in SRN. SRN's a total fish. Mm. Sorry. I'm a little mad about no. these idiots, but. Why don't you explain? Because a lot of people aren't familiar with how this kind of collusion thing worked in the high stakes three mans. Yeah. So in the three mans, you can collude with someone where they try to dupe with your opponent and you play in another roster and you can guarantee it so that your opponent basically loses in the long run. Um, And I mean, it's collusion. If you just play with someone in a three man and you make sure you don't dupe, that's a major edge Uh, because like, I mean, the, the math is the math is quite simple. Like it's a winner take all. So if you dupe, then you're only like, I mean, you're you're just going to split it when you win. So like the math just doesn't doesn't add up. The guy's winning winning a fifty fifty to win uh, three to one. Or you're, tr- you're trying to guess the other guy's lineup. Yeah, and it's kind of easy to do, especially if you have one guy who plays like the top daily roto roster. Like right back in the day yeah. when SRN only played the top daily roto roster because for whatever reason, he thought that was a good strategy or he thought that Daily Roto was better at DFS than he was. And he was sitting in every game and probably breaking even or losing or whatever he was doing and giving it away. And then he decided, I can't win money in DFS. What if I collude with this guy, Mock Lovin? Hmm. And I mean, Brian, you said you, you stopped playing three mans a long time ago, right? Because of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's like in every, every game of gambling, you got to pr- protect yourself. Right. Like even if you it, it's conspiracy, like you kind of feel like a conspiracy theorist, it's just a good trait to have in gambling. But like, I don't, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I, like I saw some of the evidence, but like, uh, you know, I do play three mans in Yahoo and he plays on there. I should probably stop doing that. <laughs> I think about it. I liked uh, Mark Lovin. I thought he was like a lovable nerd. 
And I thought he like, I thought it was admirable how much better at DFS he got. I thought he was quite strong. And then it's kind of like a negative tell if you start colluding because it's kind of saying like, I mean, you don't think that you can beat the game to a certain extent. Like it's, it's kind of pathetic, honestly. Like the three mans weren't that tough, you know, like, and you're colluding with one of the weakest players in the three mans. Like, come on, buddy. I thought, I thought more highly of Mark Lovin than that. In poker, what would happen? Like this is this is my experience, anyways. But like in five, ten, ten, twenty, or whatever, around there, cash games back in the day, before before this young man even was started playing online, what they they would slow play each other, and yeah. like you notice it. Like it's tough if you're playing ten, twelve tables at once. Like, but but like eventually, you just like you could tell like these two fucking guys never raise each other, and so like it also fucks with the stats. Like back, you know, we we all have HUDs and stuff like that. So like their stats would get adjusted too. So, cause they weren't raising each other. So they would look a little yeah. tighter and shit like that. And like, you know, and then they play, they play you, you know, like a, a, a solid strategy. So, and sometimes it'd be like three guys at the same table. Like, I don't, it, it could have been in my head, but it seemed like eventually that started happening all the fucking time. So you get the, the ghosts. Sorry. Like- you get the ghosts too when a guy's like playing 14% of hands and then it's just the final table. He's playing like 35%. It's like, what happened? <laughs> what, uh, oh, are there any other areas where you think collusion is happening outside of the three man stuff that people should watch out for? It's just not possible to collude in other formats besides three and five man. Okay. So that's a, uh, that's a popular argument with uh, the burrito brothers, Chipotle attic and Papa Gates. So you, yeah, you you say uh, impossible. They're doing they're they're not doing anything wrong, right? Do you think that they're so good that you don't want to play against their three hundredth favorite roster? Is that how oh. much better you think they are oh. than you? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. So you're, no, okay, well, that's not the accusation. The accusation is there. That, that's my question because I don't mind if they're if they're playing out of the same role and they want to play 300 rosters against my 150 because I think I can beat their top 150. But the accusation, although I understand your point, uh, but the accusation is that they're they're making 300 together and then splitting them up, which is just against the rules. Your point stands. It still doesn't fucking matter. Can you? Build it's not positive ROI. There, there's not a way you construct can construct those 300 rosters to make it so that you have an advantage. Well, you're getting in 300 plus EV lines as part of the 150. That is an advantage. Yeah. Well, it's not. A, it's not a. It's not like their 300th roster is making all of their rosters worse, not better. There's not like a strategy that's like only plus EV when you can get like you and all of your friends together to play like max enter a contest. No, but as long as it's just a penny or more, you can enter it and then you make money over time. So it's circumventing the rules. I don't think so though. Cause I've seen, I, I didn't really look into it too much. And I, I've talked to uh, Martin a little bit in person uh, and I didn't get that vibe from him at all, but they, they've also like duped each other a bunch of times and stuff. And I could see like, through my own process, I could easily make three, you know, 150 different lineups, and then like 15 minutes later, redo my whole thing with the same information and get a bunch of different lineups too. Just they don't do like- they don't dupe with nearly the frequency that they would need to. Like, I mean, it, I I I think they're great. I think they're smart guys. I think they're really good players. I don't think they're mm-hmm. doing anything wrong. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that they have a. a at least a majority of their process in common. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I think they don't do, do like, I don't think like with, with how much of their process is in common, they would be duping so like eight to 15 times at least, you know? I don't like, think so. I think I could do it where I wouldn't do that much, but uh, either way, how, how about, how about here's another myth? Sorry to cut you off, but here's another, or not another myth. Maybe it's true. Uh, the syndicates, Hundreds of guys working together, making lineups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that happens. Um, I think that particularly on... There are a lot of accounts... I mean, yes, that happens. There are a lot of accounts that play under 150 on DraftKings... Um, on the single gamers where there'll be accounts out of nowhere that are putting in like 80 lineups, 70 lineups. And they have, there are, there are only so many guys who are playing winning rosters. So it's pretty easy to find my software when it's like, Oh, these like random, like (laughs) random new account is like behaving like all of these other ones. It's like pretty easy to pick out, but like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know like a lot more than that. I can't say who they are. Um, I just know that there's like one person or it's like, there are only so many people who can win, right? So, like, yeah. when you have these accounts, why would you ever play an account if you're a winning a great player? Sixty six entries or like fifty entries, you know? Well, that doesn't like, make any sense either, though. Why not just yeah. go the full one fifty? I think because people look at that. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. We got stupid cheaters and smart cheaters. Is your burner yeah, Twitter account then the better? By the way, because yeah, you would everything you're fucking saying here. <laughs> Oh, is he a conspiracy guy? I mean, these aren't conspiracies. I mean, I think this is just... I'm, I'm like, joking around. He's kind of a popular uh, person on our show that we mention quite frequently. He, he, why do you? Why do people clown on 
on weak player. Like, is DFS so easy that you could just go around clowning on people? He's like, a, he's a sports better mainly. And he's he started pick, fucking, he's pick fucking fight. DFS Yeah, fight. and pick wanted fight, to do so. all these head-to-head challenges. So it was kind of one of those. People weren't just going around looking to dunk on Ben the better. He's been very publicly asking for it. Osimo <laughs> was really smart because the day he clowned on Empire Maker for duping is the, yeah. like the day I quit DFS. Wait, so he got me out of the game. He was smart. Oh, why? I don't get it. Why would that get you out of the game? Because you punt. I mean, you're just clowning on like some of the high stakes, like weaker players for oh. doing like a pathetic strategy. Like, I think this um, is the most fire we've had thrown on this year and a half. Is that is that so much fire to say that you're in like a ten man five k and you're duping with like your buddy? <laughs> is like, like I mean. That's what know. started that whole thing, really, actually, kind of. I don't know if people, like, why would you say that? Like, it's kind of crazy that Osmo did that. I hope he gained a lot of viewers for that. But he also got me out of the game because I was like, well, this is just getting too tough. If, like, you're going you're gonna to tell the, like, the the spots, excuse me, that they're, they're like, playing wrong, like, what, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Well, what well, do you think about? He does have a business, so. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he I mean, he made people a lot better. Like, I think that he kind of hurt the games to an extent. Yeah, I think he... I, I know. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. What I'm trying you... to get him to retire, but he won't. <laughs> no, no, he, I mean, the guy went on his honeymoon and could barely stop tweeting about not playing <laughs> DFS. It was like, we get it. You really wish you were playing DFS. It's a good right content now. strategy. <laughs> uh, what do you think about that? Like, I mean, that dynamic, you mentioned the duping stuff. I mean, you can go pull up the lineups in the Thunderdome, you know, every week still, and guys are just dumping their cash lineups in there i mean what what do you think about that dynamic i think that's great i think that's great for the game like i mean does uh do i need to say anything more yeah yes go say more <laughs> like i love it i i don't want to ruin the games for anyone i mean do what you think is the best the best strategy for you no we've we've talked about this dynamic on the show where we're, we're not moving markets that much i promise mm-hmm. you no one's listening <laughs> I think I've said my piece. Okay. Wow. Okay. What? Let's right. let's give him some more names though, because this is fun, Brian. On the top all right. Um, how about you to cow? I I, I I think that's how you say it. The problem with Udicow. me talking about you to cow is that he's going to take what I say and then get better. So like, I'm going to sit out about talking about him. Mm. Uh, he has projections that are pretty different from other people, except for McLovin for some reason. Um, but. Uh, I don't know if that's the case anymore, but it seemed like they were using the same projections for for a while. Slight um, implication there. Slight. <laughs> this is. I mean, it, it's it's not really an implication. Like, I don't know if they're doing. I'm not. I don't think they're doing any. I I called out Mark Lovin. Like he was doing something that I thought was unethical. I don't think like sharing projections is like particularly unethical or like having sharing parts of your process or like they might have had the same like computer base or the same projection base and then adjusted it on their own. Like I don't really know, except that they had some of the like they were making some of the same like kind of like out some of the stuff that Yodakal would do that was kind of outlandish would often be uh, mimicked by McLovin. Um, I think McLovin was like better than Yodakao in certain aspects, but I don't really want to talk about that too, too much because uh, I think Yodakao is a really smart guy and he's probably going to take what I say and then uh, it's going to use it to his benefit. He got better. He got better too. Like um, he was, uh, 
I think he went through a rut where he wasn't doing so well or he wasn't that good. And then I think he turned it around in like 2019, 2020. But what I thought part of the reason you were willing to come on here and be so forthcoming is you don't care anymore because you're out of the game. So why are you worried about the games getting harder? Well, I'm still invested in some of these dynamics. How so? Well, I have a lot of friends who play DFS. And so, like, I don't want to just, like, come come out in the open and just, like, make people arbitrarily, like, way better or anything like that. I'm not – I don't oh. have a, a brand. I'm not I'm not going to do what Osimo did. I have um, a good one. I have a good one. but And then after that, I, I want to hear who these friends are, too, if, if you're willing. So how about this guy? Go Sixers, go 76. Um, a reasonable guy. I think that if you see someone post screenshots on Twitter, that is one of the most negative tells you can have about their skill. And I'll kind of leave it. That's like one of the biggest red flags. And if you see a guy who's posting screenshots, he plays in the high stakes. I think that you're probably going to want to target that guy. So that would be Borders Road too, huh? Uh, I don't know who that is actually. Oh, okay. There you go. He just wins all the time, I think. Brian, do you do you post screen, screenshots? I don't think I don't think you do. Brick Brick, yeah. Brick is too strong in the Sims to. I don't think I've I've never. I think the only time I've seen Brian post a screenshot was a joke about your crowns. Yeah, that's the one yeah. time I've seen. And the dunk on Ben the Better. That's it. I've never posted a <laughs> screenshot. Um, I saw uh, Ben the Better tweeted that his cash lineup's good forty percent, which is pretty good. Wait. Yeah, you know, I did see something about that. What was enlighten me? Do you know the whole details there? He said he talked to uh, Bryce, and Bryce okay. said that he was going to lie forty percent to win and heads up. And he, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you need to win over over fifty percent, right? I mean, we have to pay rake, so well, maybe they were talking three minutes. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, what do you think of Bryce? I think Bryce is pretty pretty strong. Yeah. I like yeah. Chris. I think he's I think he's a good guy. Um I met him at the one of the live finals. Um yeah, I think he's pretty good. I mean, he focused on cash and he was on that like was it like 60 minutes or something program just being like a baller in college. I thought that was awesome. I've oh, seen that guy. Um, I need to see someone send me that clip. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's just like it's it's like college buddies just like eating pizza and drinking beer and he's just on his laptop like grinding projections. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I, I think he's I think he's done pretty well in cash. Like the way he thinks about it, I think is like he has a pretty good process. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a pretty big winner. So who are who are your bros? Who, who what, what's your DFS posse you're rolling with? I think like a lot of people know that, but um, I don't. I don't. I think I'll uh, I'll leave it to the. I think I think people know, but I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to name who the Chess is Okay disciples are. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to call anyone out or dox anyone. Um, a lot of people have kind of studied the way I play and and look a little bit like me. I think that like I hope that whistles go woo like was inspired by some of some of the things that I did, but um, I don't know. How, how important is that for you? I mean, you know, coming on this show, we've seen it, you know, there, to a certain extent, there are, you know, so much of playing DFS can be a solitary enterprise. Mm-hmm. You see people like Osimo who could just as easily have never built a business and just kind of crushed DFS on his own. But there is some appeal to the content side, to the business angle of it. Where do you fall in that spectrum? Because you are now coaching and you are willing to come on a show like this. Yeah, uh, like... 
the opposite side of the spectrum is awesome. I guess. I mean, like I'm, you asked me if I miss DFS or whatever, and that's why I want to like coach a little bit and talk about it. Cause I kind of miss like working that, that part of my brain. Um, but no, I'm not trying to build a brand or like really create a lot of content in DFS or anything like that. Uh, I'm trying to help out like metify.gg. I mean, it's a great product, great company, great marketplace business. So, um, I think people should should check it out. You can get coaching on a lot of different sports, not just DFS and poker and chess. You can get like video Smash game? Brothers. It's, yeah, it was video. It's video game centric. Uh, I think I'm the only DFS coach out on there right now. Maybe maybe Brian signs up and and gets his. Uh, uh, maybe you never know. You never. Uh, know. You know what I would have done when I was younger is uh, Madden coaching. Yeah, I was <laughs> stud at Madden. I was top five in 2004. In 2005, I was fucking Madden obsessed back when the game was good. That's awesome. I totally would have been down making some money. A lot of them, a lot of the, most of the coaches are like five bucks an hour kind of. That's probably what I would have charged back then. Yeah. yeah, For Madden back when you're whatever, 20 some years old. Um, That's that. I mean, I love this, the the whole, the whole decentralized marketplace ideas and stuff like that. Is there, is it crypto, crypto related? It doesn't have a crypto angle today. I'm not sure if that's like a direction they're going to go in. Um, but I, I mean, it makes some sense for creators to own like a, a piece of the piece of the platform. And if you had the token that was burned or at a certain rate or something like that, I think it could make some sense with their business model. But they're not doing that today. Can we ra- let's rapid fire some names? I, it's too much fun. No, I, 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 want, I want to ask about VC too, but can we do that, guys? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Uh, our boy, Big T. Um, I don't really know who that is. You know, I don't know, if that's, I don't right. know if that's a burn, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really familiar. Big, Big T44 is his screen name. He's the yeah. most loyal man in DFS. <laughs> this is is that Dinkmeyer? Dink he was Dink on Roto Grinders. Drew Dinkmeyer is, is the nicest guy in DFS, but he will backstab the shit out of you. Now, uh... <laughs> Dinkmeyer had the best projections for a while. Um, I can say that, but Big T, I don't, I don't know, I don't. That doesn't really didn't stand out to me in the contest. How, how about my guy Decolts? D A C O L T Z. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's yeah, pretty he tough. Is, he's very good. How about who two four one zero? Um, I think he's pretty good. I don't, I don't, I don't quite remember him as being like the top. Is he more of a cash game player? I think so. Yeah. How about cheese is good? Oh well, he's MLB. Yeah, but he's been winning other stuff lately too, actually. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I think he's. I think he's pretty. Did you not play MLB? But, uh, no, I didn't. Okay, yeah, I don't remember. I didn't play I much, much MLB at all. NBA, yeah, Some, yeah, someone thought your name was actually inspired uh, with a beef with cheese is good since your cheese is okay. <laughs> that is what someone said. <laughs> that's that's right. That would be great. <laughs> I actually I actually got a coaching from Cheese is Good like when I was starting out playing DFS actually, uh, and I asked him a couple of questions. He was pretty cheap. Um, and so like, I just asked him like a couple of questions about my process or whatever. And he was like, well, I don't really play these sports, but it sounds like you're making sense. <laughs> how about some of the, how about some of the OGs? E Hafner, uh, Kandia, Sahil. I, I think that I don't really get like what Sahil was always pretty good. Like, 
it doesn't really make sense that he fell off the cliff the way he did. I think he had a gambling problem. Like, I don't really know. Like, I, I've heard rumors that he was, like, cross-booking, like, heaps on his, like, and he would, like, just hop into new games like golf or, like, NHL and just, like, cross-book for heaps and was really bad at them. But, like, in NBA and NFL, I, he, he was, like, pretty good. So, like, it doesn't really add up. And then it's kind of weird how he just, like, allegedly goes broke and then he's, like, doesn't just go back to, like, because it doesn't take much of a bankroll to right. just, like, play the low stakes every slate and you're going to, like, work back up. And, like, just playing the low slate, like, especially when he, like, went broke, like, just playing the low stakes, you could have made, like, 300K a year, you know, or more. Like, he'd be back right. in a year. Um, yeah. It, does, it, does, it doesn't make any sense to me either. And, like, he, it was the same time where he got that site. Like, I mean, like, it would make more sense to me that he just, like, Maybe he was running bad and had like a mill left and got a mill for the site or something. And he's like, fuck it. Like just enough where he's like, I'll go do something else. And I can live off this for a while. I, it doesn't make sense that he goes totally broke. And then, cause it was a while ago. So if he was good, he, he could have came back with he, he, five he was good. It didn't make sense, but he just started blasting too at certain points. And it like made sense. Like, I think he might've had a gambling problem. Like I, I, I just really don't know. Like, I hope he's doing well. Like, I always thought really highly of him. I remember I saw him at a live final, like, around the time he was going broke, and he looked, like, like not well, basically. Mm. Like, I don't know how to describe it. He just looked like a guy who took one look at him, and he's like, that's someone who's losing a lot of money. No, okay. Uh, that sucks. If that's true, that's uh, definitely – there's also, like, you know, you never know someone's you never personal know, life yeah. and mental health and stuff like that. Yeah. Poker players, well, I always thought really thing. highly of him. I thought he was always really tough. It what, sounds what like you share a similar perspective as Brian when Brian is guarded with his stuff where it's not, he's not worried about the 99, you know, 99% of people. He's worried about the 1% that could turn into monsters with the right information. Is, is that how you feel? Well, I will say that like when I first started out, Saw Hill said like one little thing in an interview and it completely changed the way I was thinking about DFS. So like, and then I came for him and beat him. So I mean, well, like, well, what that thing? That, that's what happened to me, though, with like Raging Philip and like Whistles Go Woo. So, like, what do you want? What do you remember what Sahil said? It, it was something about it was something about game theory. I don't remember exactly what it was. Hmm. But it yeah. just reoriented how you you just in general were processing things. It was kind of like what I'm talking about with my coaching. It's like, oh, shit, I'm really on to something. I need to, like, go harder with these things, these strategies that I'm kind of playing around with. Like, it gave me kind of the confidence to be like, yo, I'm on the right track. Mm. That's a little different. I've, I've had the same similar thing in poker back in the day with uh, Taylor KB. I've talked about it on the show, actually. Um, what, what about E. Hafner and uh, Kanye? Um, I'm trying to think of the, the the original OGs and stuff. That kind of sums them up, right, those three guys? I think the oh, – What about our boy, CSU? I think they did pretty well. Um, I think that, like – Condia was a spot for a while before he retired. Um, but he was like, he was one of the first people to do like a lot of, like I, he was probably the first person to take like kind of like a system kind of process-based approach to like NBA and stuff like that. And it's not surprising that he saw great results, but I think that, that he kind of like had trouble adjusting, particularly like in game when things changed, he was pretty weak. I think he had trouble like at crunch time back in the day. Uh, like, I think he would, like, hang rosters and stuff. I don't quite remember because it was, like, a long time ago. But um, 
a lot of people, a lot of people, I don't know if that still goes on, but that's like a weakness for a lot of the guys who are playing like every game, every slate, like just like hanging rosters on like, if you want to think about who like Osimo is, uh, Osimo changes his cash roster last a lot of the time or whatever, like there's spots like that. Um, Jess, you always are like looking over your shoulder as if Osimo <laughs> is actually staring you down right now. Do you have your buddies over? Yeah, they're, they're, I'm, I'm getting, did I'm you, getting buzzed if I say the wrong thing. Did you enter your lineups at the DFS library? Just like there's a bunch of DFS players in yeah. a public place. Well, I feel a little, I feel a little guilty. Like talk, I still feel a little guilty, like talking publicly. I guess about like process and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I'm looking around. Is anyone, is anyone here in this stuff? <laughs> You're good. What do you think? What do we think about sports betting? Do you think about getting into that at all? Yeah, I think sports betting is pretty soft. Um, but it's a, it's again like just the amount you can win sports betting is not as like uncapped as in other things. Like it's a lot about the process of like find, getting new accounts all the time and like having runners and like that kind of like operational like kind of logistics infrastructure. And it's like not as interesting to me, I guess. This VC, this VC business, what's it called? Venture capital. No, I know what VC stands for. <laughs> like your actual business, if you, I'm assuming. Yeah. You're so I'm I'm raising a fund called Gutter Capital. Better. Uh, gutter. Like gutter. Like like the trash we're in the gutter. The rock bottom. Yeah. Um, my partner and I have invested in about a hundred companies over the past five years. Uh, kind of doubling what we were putting to work every year, and it got to a point where in 2020 we were like well, we're doing so much that we need to be doing this full time. And then taking another step, it's like we're missing out on opportunities. We're spending a lot of time working with founders. We're getting allocations in the next round, but we don't really have the cash to deploy ourselves. So I figured the next logical step was making it available to other people. Um, So we're out raising a $15 million fund right now. Um, And that's our first fund. So the first one's the hardest to raise, but we've, we've been fundraising three weeks and have a like over half of it committed, good chunk. Uh, so I think it's only a matter of time until we're we're ready to go. Do you have any of your own money in the game? Yeah, yeah, big time, big time, yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Um, yeah, I put a. It's the sort of thing where I put like at the time a fairly small percent of my net worth into these kind of venture investments, and it kind of t- like turned into a large percent of my net worth over time. Uh, I think some people in the poker and DFS community experience that with like crypto and stuff like that. Um, but for, for me, it was just investing in these uh, kind of like enterprise software businesses mostly. I was just going to ask what kind of markets and sectors uh, that you had. But, so that's, do you have any like other domain expertise from those or that's just where you thought there was uh, the most meat on the bone? That's a lot of where, uh, we started out because my my partner uh, sold his company to WeWork in 2019. So he had like a lot of experience in the New York tech scene and he had a really good network. And that's how we started like sourcing deals and uh, talking to companies. And then over time, um, we just grew a network from the investments we made. And now like most of our, the best deal referrals we get are from like other founders we invested in from the like over a hundred businesses we did. Um, so it's just kind of like evolved over time and we were generalists just doing early stage software, trying to get as early as possible because the returns are best when you go early. Like it's easier 
to turn a million revenue company into 10 million often than it is to go from like 10 to 100 or always to like go to the next order of magnitude becomes harder and harder. Uh, a lot of your competitors don't even start paying attention to you, do you, to you until you get over 10 million revenue. Uh, and then if you have like really big competitors in this space, they might not even pay attention to you until you get to 100 million revenue. Uh, so it's like that kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, my partner's business was like a, a marketplace kind of business model. So that's like naturally where we started and what we understood best. And I've just gotten to know and understand like different kinds of businesses better and better over time. Was your partner a gambler? Not at all. He has the... We're, uh, we have really complementary skill sets because uh, I think uh, losing money and putting money to work makes him feel uncomfortable. So I'm like uh, building the software guide guide rails for us and being like, no, these are uh, this is like the, the optimal strategy. This is what the computer says. This is like how we're going to approach it. And uh, I mean, we see so much overlap now from DFS, from poker, from sports betting guys into crypto NFTs. Now, have you dabbled into any of that realm or are you just kind of sticking uh, with this VC stuff? I traded some futures for a little bit. I was considering whether I would do venture or like currency futures trading, crypto futures, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's I think it's a good opportunity. It's a good spot. It's just a matter of like where you want to focus. And the venture stuff was really taken off like more so than other things. So that's why I chose to focus on venture. I mean, people have done great with crypto. Um, it's, I don't fully understand like why some of these coins get the, get the valuations they do. I think that maybe the network activity and what nodes are gonna be paid to operate on these networks or it's not going to uh, in the long run sustain it. Um, but I haven't been looking too much at the network activity at the like popular uh, like Bitcoin, Ethereum recently, but um, for a while it was down significantly from like January, February, March of last year, or I guess it was this year. Yeah, like the frothy kind of like February, March of this year. Um, I don't know if it's recovered yet, but I, I'd consider that when you're when you're like looking at the price, especially on the recent run in Bitcoin. Like, is it going to? Are you? Is it? Is the run up in price going to bring in enough people to the network to kind of like? get the activity bumping and justify it. As we uh, wrap up here, can you, because a, a lot of people in the chat have been asking about the site where you do coaching. Will you just say it slow and I'll, I'll type the name of it in the chat for people too? Yeah, it's metify.gg. M-E-T-A-F-Y? Yeah, that's right. Dot G-G? Yes. All right, metify.gg and then Travis Petty, uh, high stakes DFS player, was pulling your profile from the site. I'm confident that I retired at the end of 2020 as one of the biggest winners in the game, if not number one. Yeah. I can't tell if Travis Petty is offering, uh, you know, some skepticism here or not. But do you want to speak on on that claim? Well, I think Travis might be the number one NBA winner of all time. I don't know what his stats look like. Uh, and results, I think Travis was a great player at NBA. We we met, we went to dinner once. It was like a DraftKings, um, like a live final. Jordan, the VIP host, brought us all to dinner. Um, yeah, I think Travis is great. Uh, I think that I might be the biggest winner in DFS. I really don't know because these things aren't tracked. Um, but I don't know how many people are. I, I don't even want to look around. I don't even want to say what the numbers are. Um, I don't know how much Osmo's up. I don't know how much Chipotle's up. I don't know. That's quite uh, the Jordan maneuver, huh? I, I think that um, let's combine Chipotle and his brother 
versus me, and we'll see who's up more. Wow, Jesus, that shots fired. Maybe I don't even know. It's uh, I I think they're great. I think they're some of the best. Well, he just won. He just won another million on Sunday, so you're gonna have to add that to the uh, draw. They bet a lot. They do bet a lot. Yeah, they do bet a lot. They need to win a bunch of millions in order to keep it up. I'm not. Travis is trying to goad you into saying the number. Um, it's all in VC now, anyways, Travis. It doesn't matter. That shit's all going down when the economy crashes, anyways. Oh, He's fucked. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm kidding. You'll, you're gonna be fine. I'm up more than Ricky D. I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. You have to come back on. This is too much fun. I, 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 think I Travis. I mean. I, I don't really know. I mean, Travis could be up a lot in NBA. Like Travis is really strong. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Travis could be up five to ten mil in NBA. You want to comment, Travis? <laughs> uh, it sounds like we just need to have a friends and family show of lols. Uh, my my guess for Travis would be probably like five. Seems a little high for how much he's up. I don't know how many seasons he played NBA. I would guess Travis is up like three to five mil. I could see that. Yeah. I don't know if Chess could uh could do a like a family party. He's burned like half the DFS community in this podcast alone. <laughs> Would you come back to challenge EM2 for that free in fucking what? Money? In DFS? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe like how much we're gonna bet. Okay. I, I don't have the, I mean honestly I don't have the time. He said he would bet you for whatever you wanted. Wow. I mean, I might take him up on that. Maybe we'll bet on he, the number. He might of have been bins. on a coke binge. No one really knows, but if he does it again, you got to come out of retirement. Wait, he said he'd bet me as much as I wanted. He said he would bet anyone as much as they wanted. Oh, he so he, he bet, wanted he to bet. bet people that the COVID deaths in the U.S. would be under fifty k. Was that him? No, that was Boris. That was him. I think and that was he, Wilson. He's, he's made such Wilson. outlandish bets. I've asked people, like, is this guy just free-rolling people? Like That was Wilson, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Wilson was the COVID bet. I'm pretty sure it was Empire Maker, but I don't Empire know. Empire had I mean, the, uh, the Biden-Trump uh, election night bet. Yeah, but he, he had Biden, though. Yeah. That was a great spot. I had some Biden bets and on election night as well. Um, I was pretty nervous about it, honestly. I wasn't thinking too clearly. I should have probably bet a lot more than did but i was like scared trump would win <laughs> so like i was like like not not entirely thinking all that clearly but like it that was like an amazing spot that only comes around once in a while uh and then even afterwards like where you could just get kind of like infinite down at like a free like 15 percent or whatever it was that was amazing if you could put it together i think that like harlow boss did and i think he said that was the most he made like sports betting or something was like betting on Biden after the election was over. Yeah. yeah um, but like some of the problems with was like getting the money and crypto was doubling and tri- tripling and everyone bet in crypto. So like, oh, and it was getting locked up. Yeah. So they didn't really get that much because it was bad. Yeah. Well, you'd have to borrow money, I guess, to, to do it right. Well, the problem was because the election technically wasn't decided for however long. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of these Trump betters just wouldn't give up. So like crypto doubled, tripled, quadruple then you like you would have made more just keeping your money and put in but if you could borrow at like five to ten percent or something and then you could just could have could have made a spread for like infinite money basically um 
Oh, it sounds like you're right. I think that's what Harlebos did. I mean, I think he, he he smashed it. So good for him. It um, sounds like you're right. EM2 also did bet 50. Yes, yeah, people in the chat confirmed that. So yeah, I, I missed that. Uh, you're right. We're wrong. On. <laughs> no, there's a lot going on on that Twitter feed over that period of time. So it was yeah, easy to it, miss some stuff. Um, all right, Chess is okay. We got you at Metify GG. We got you on a repeat Lulz performance when you reload the holster with hot takes in a few months, right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'll let people any, come and come at me or whatever. And then we'll, we'll I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to get some chirp backs on Twitter here. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I didn't offend Travis. No, no, I did. Nah, he's fine. He's fine. Um, any, anything else though? Any, any final parting shots here? No, I loved it. Really enjoyed it. I think uh, Brian's really tough. Pete, I don't think we played too much. I don't know if you're really in the we DFS haven't. streets or, um, <laughs> Where you're at, but... DFS streets, uh, Jess, not in those. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on. Uh, if you guys want to listen to the audio version of this, you can uh, download that on iTunes, all that stuff. Just uh, search Lowell's on your podcast. For Brian, I'm Pete. Thank you to Chess is OK for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.